So being in marketing, one of the questions I get asked constantly is, okay, I've got a Facebook page. Now what? What am I supposed to be posting about? Do I need to talk about chiropractic day in and day out? Are my viewers even going to be interested in that? What is going to generate some interest? Well, in today's edition of Cairo Business Builders, I interview Dr. Ben Atkins, and he's going to talk about just that, how he used not only his business Facebook page, but his personal Facebook page to bring in lots of people through his doors. I cannot wait for you guys to take a listen to this. All right, let's do it. You're listening to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast, giving you behind-the-scenes access to the world's top chiropractors and how they built and scaled their business. Here's your host, Tabitha Thomas. All right, welcome to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast. My name is Tabitha Thomas, and this podcast is all about giving you a behind-the-scenes access to the world's top chiropractors and how they built and scaled their business. And today is a very special day for me. I've got Dr. Ben Atkins from Hopper Bluff, Missouri with me. And it's special because, Ben, you were my first chiropractor, the one who got me into the office for the very first time. <laughs> well, you said it, I didn't, so I, I feel honored. <laughs> so it's good to be here. <laughs> Excited to have you with me. So I, I grew up in a family that my parents went to the chiropractor like once a year, and that was usually when they really threw their neck out or back out or something crazy. So the fact that you got me in was pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. I, I kind of grew up in the same, the same environment. You know, it was uh, when I grew up, I had a chiropractor that really helped me out a lot, but it wasn't something that was, you know, a big part of my life early on. Um, and when I decided to become one, it was because of just that one experience. And I tell you, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of folks out there are starting to discover how great, you know, chiropractic is. And it becomes sort of something that at least once a month, you know, has to be a part of it, you know. So, like I said, it's, it's a very exciting time, I think, for chiropractic just because we're, we're starting to see more people really understand how great, you know, they can be with just a, a very small amount of ongoing care once they're out of that initial pain. So it's fun. It's fun. Yes, very much so. So, what did you always want to be a chiropractor? Is that something that you dreamed about as a kid? I think uh, it was something that you know I had. I had this one experience when I was in the third grade with uh, you know I was having headaches and gone to a medical doctor. They couldn't figure it out. They thought I was stressed. Um, how stressed can I you know third grader be? Most in most cases, and I, I don't think I was stressed at all. But I went to see a chiropractor within a couple visits. I was good. I mean, it was completely gone. I was feeling great, and everything was good. And that stuck with me. I thought, you know, this is a pretty cool deal. The guy just, you know, with his hands <laughs> did something, and, you know, and I'm better. And so that stuck with me. But, no, you know, going through school, that wasn't necessarily something that stuck with me as this is what you're going to do with your life. It was just something that I was always very fascinated by it. And as I sort of, you know, got up to the point to where I said, okay, what am I going to do with my life? I knew, hey, I want to do something to help people. And, you know, I, I don't exactly know what that is. So when I first sort of locked into what I was going to do with my life, the first thing, I like computers too, but I, it was, I'm going to either do something with computers, or I'm going to do something in healthcare. And when I first started, uh, I went the medical route. And that was my first sort of jump into all of it as I was going to be a medical doctor. And then one day, by chance, it isn't just the way that it always goes, 
one day by chance, I walked into a pharmacy to get a prescription for my mom. And while I was there, um, I saw all these folks that had just, you know, just chance that I was there, that this is what was going on in this particular pharmacy at that time. There's a bunch of folks that were in there, and you could tell it wasn't something that they necessarily needed, um, but they were in there, and they were very dependent on this pharmacy. And so, I don't know, something struck me then that's saying maybe this path that I'm going down is not a good one. And it was just timing, of course. But I started really looking back at, okay, how can I still help a lot of people be, you know, doing health care, but at the same time, maybe not do it the way that I thought. And that led me to start talking to some chiropractors that I knew. And pretty quickly I said, yeah, this is this is the gig for me. Love it. Love it. So you went to chiropractic college, uh, Logan, I believe. Yes. Is Logan. where you went. Yes. So Missouri boy. Uh, yeah. So you went to Logan. After that, what happened? So went to Logan and uh, graduated uh, around 2007. And right out of school, I had to pass some boards, and I started working with another doctor and learned a whole lot from this particular doctor about how to do, you know, certain things in business and, you know, more of the business side of it. I I would say that I got a lot of really good training at Logan in terms of how to be a doctor, and I didn't get a lot of really great training, and I don't think there is really great training. I think that's why you're doing what you do in, in spreading these stories. There's not a lot of really good training when it comes to how to run the business in the schools, or at least you're not focused on it. You're just trying to become a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So I get out in 2007. I start working with another doctor. I learn a lot about practice building, how to, you know, run the flow of a practice. Um, and pretty quickly, though, it becomes something to where just a chance situation, I decide, hey, I, I should be doing this myself. And everything just sort of worked out to where, I needed to have my own business, and no big falling out, I would say, but it was definitely hard going from a practice that was already somewhat established to saying, okay, I'm going to do this on my own, and so (laughs) I open up, I I literally drove uh, four hours to go pick up a table that I bought on eBay, a chiropractic table, Um, it was a great table, by the way, and four hours back from where I was, got a good deal on it, had this one table, signed a lease. Um, I quit, and two weeks later, um, after I put in my two weeks, I had another two weeks, um, and then, like, so basically it was a month gap between the time I put in my two weeks' notice to when we opened the doors to the new clinic, and that's when I had to really figure it out. I thought I had enough to out, but of course, like, Benji, when you have your own thing, it's a whole other ballgame. So, that, that, taking up to that point, that was very interesting. I learned a lot. I would say, within the first six months of opening that practice for myself. Yeah, it's scary. (laughs) (laughs) To step out there for the very first time and everything be relying on you and what you're able to accomplish. Yeah. And so, you know, that was the thing. It was, I I remember being like, this is going to work. We're going to make this work. You know, it's, there's, there's no other option here. But I remember opening up the doors like on a Monday and, you know, it was pretty much me half the day, and I think I had someone coming in and giving me a little bit of help uh, during the afternoon, um, just because I was trying to be very budget conscious at that point, and I didn't have a lot of people come in. But during that time, uh, the first week, I had one person come through the door, um, and that was my accountant, and bless, bless his heart. He came in with my first patient and supported me pretty much all the way through. But that you know that was a wake up call for me. I I, I kind of figured out, I was like, well, 
they're not just going to come in. And so I really had to start thinking of, you know, more creative ways that I could get people through the door. Unfortunately, I didn't have a whole lot of a budget at that point. So I had to really, really get creative with how we could get people through the door. And thank goodness that Facebook was there because Facebook was something that really ended up becoming a huge growth driver for our practice in that first year and even, you know, into the future. So did you, would you say you did a lot of traditional marketing? Did you do the ads in the newspaper, the, the radio, the television, all of that stuff? Did you do any of that when you had your practice open? I tried, you know, and, and for the little budgets that I had, we, we tried to do, you know, stuff in like the yellow book and we tried to do stuff uh, in the newspaper and we tried to do stuff on the radio. We didn't have a lot of money to do that. But at first it wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. And to be really honest, for the return that we were getting early on, you know, a lot of those things take time. And the return that we were getting early on, it was something that just wasn't cost effective uh, because we just couldn't afford to keep up the pace of what we needed to do to get people to the door. So, yeah, we, we were definitely doing some of those things, and I got better at doing those things as we went on. Um, but it was really tough to justify the expense. And so really between Facebook, Google, and me just going out and hustling and being everywhere, that was sort of a gig. So when you say you were doing Facebook marketing, what kind of things were you doing on Facebook? <laughs> we had to get really creative because we did a lot of stuff that didn't work. Isn't um, <laughs> that so always the case? We we started out, you know, doing a lot of Facebook ads, just talking about chiropractic, and, and pretty quickly that became uh, something that we realized. The ads, just telling people we were there, was not a good thing. Uh, the ads have to be something that's very specific, which we learned really quickly, and, and we can go into that if you want to soon. But, you know, one of the big things was I always took a two-pronged approach to it. I always had a business Facebook page, and I always had my personal Facebook page, and both of them were very, very powerful when you use them right and when you use them together. But to be honest, the first few months I had no idea what using them right was. But we got it pretty quick. And so if you want, I don't know what you want to do. Yeah, about. yeah, go right ahead. Okay, cool. If you want, I can talk about sort of what we did on both of those and how it sort of played and what the overall strategy was once we figured out what we were doing. Diving into it, um, start with my personal Facebook page. At first, I thought it would be really fun and really effective to talk about chiropractic a lot. Mm-hmm. It was not. It was not at all. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody, you know, your general public has no, they just don't care about, you know, what you are doing with your chiropractic office or what you're doing with chiropractic. It just does not work that way. Now, your patients, the people that you have are already been in, they've already been helped, they're indoctrinated, they get it. They love it. They love it and they'll tell all their friends about it. But that doesn't really correlate to what you're talking about on your Facebook page. So I learned really quickly that wasn't working. I was just watching how people interacted, how they were liking things that I was doing, and that that stuff always fell flat on its face. What I realized, though, is I could go out to lunch two to three times a week, and I could take pictures of what I was eating. Now, this sounds so stupid, but... What was really interesting is I could go to certain places and go to lunch. I could be a part of civic organizations once a week, go to lunch there. I could do all of these little things, and if I talked about those on my Facebook page, because they were so community-focused, people found common ground with me. And so I would have a lot of conversations that would get struck up or people liking posts where I was talking about a restaurant that I was eating at for lunch that day, 
I was talking about something that I was a part of with the civic organization. If I was doing something with the Chamber of Commerce, I'd post pictures on that. If we were going to an event, you know, coming up that weekend, we'd talk about that. And so, really, with my personal Facebook page, my practice started to grow just because people were seeing that I was active in the community and we were using social media as kind of a megaphone to let people know this is all the cool stuff that we're doing in the community. Are you going? Is this cool? And we just became an advocate on my personal page for other businesses and causes that were going on. And because of that, people locked in with that and they kind of said, you know what, if we're going to have to go to somebody or, or somebody that, you know, we want to help us with something that is not the most fun thing that we're going through right now, this person seems like they care. And we did care, but it was the megaphone of our Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, that really gave people that sense. It's, it's so genius. You literally are marketing without talking about chiropractic at all, at all. I love it. So what differed between your personal Facebook page and what the practice page looked like? So the practice page was a little more, you know, on we, we would totally post stuff about the community on the practice page. But the practice page we used as, you know, more of a place to pitch and to talk about what was going on and how you could get an advantage. So I could talk about chiropractic there. If there was something that was ever, like, really cool, I could share it from my personal Facebook page. I could share something that was coming from my practice's Facebook page. So the strategy over there was what is a really great thing that we can talk about that's going on in the office, you know, and even if the office was doing some something community-oriented, we could talk about it there. But the big thing for me is we discovered what I consider to be the greatest opportunity for chiropractors to market that uh, we, we have ever found. And to this day, it's something that's highly effective. And it's the correlation, and a lot of chiropractors, I don't think, miss this, but it's the correlation between chiropractic and massage therapy. And okay. that, <laughs> that was interesting. There are so many laws, um, or not necessarily laws, but rules in how you uh, govern yourself and how you talk about the things that you're offering you can't give discounts because you get into double fee schedule, things like that. It's a problem. You can't really market chiropractic like you would market a restaurant or, you know, a retail outlet. And that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's that absolutely a good thing. You don't want your profession to look like it is a discount warehouse or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. It would be terrible. So that's a good – those rules are really good, but it sort of pins your hands behind you when you're doing marketing because you can't really give away anything or offer discounts on things to get people through the door the first time. And with chiropractic, it's so important that someone feels comfortable when they walk through your door, but they have to walk through your door to feel comfortable. So, exactly. Yeah. So what we figured out was if we would just talk about massage therapy, we could do a lot of things in a very interesting way. So we had a separate LLC, a separate business set up for the massage clinic that we ran. And we had a massage therapist that was in. And what we could do is, because this person was trying to build up their practice as well, we could offer discounted massages. And this was something that was insanely popular with just about anybody. And on my target market in that area, and, of course, I think it's super important that chiropractors have a target market that they're after. You know, someone that is their ideal patient that all their marketing is aimed towards. And ours was females between 25 and 35. That was the core of who we were going after when I first started because, to me, they were the access point to everybody. If I could get the majority of that percentage of the population, so, 
you look at demographics of who you want through the door, if I could win that demographic over, I would eventually win everybody over because they're the ones that bring in the kids. They're the ones that tell their husbands, stop being so stubborn, go see the chiropractor. They're the ones that tell their parents. I'm pretty sure I said that just this week. Clearly, <laughs> and you know, and that's the thing. My wife's been telling me that I need to go this week, you know, because and that's, I'm a chiropractor, but I still have that same sort of stubbornness. And you're so, male. That's all right. it comes down to. <laughs> it, 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 we're not always as good at, you know, taking care of ourselves. So that that was the portal of entry for me. So the massage side, we could offer a free massage, and, and I'll get into that in just a second, or a discounted massage, get a lot of people rushing through the door. The massage clinic was the same as my clinic. They could meet me. They could meet the staff. And we could do some really interesting things with the massage side to grow that practice. And all I had to do from that point is train the massage therapist what to look for and if those things showed up to refer over to me. Now, we were very careful about this because I didn't want just a massage therapist who felt their job was to refer to me. So we had to be very good with our training to say, when you see this, this is what it is. You know what this is. This is how it relates to us. And this is how you refer to us in a way that's not salesy. It's just very much this is how you fix it if you want to fix it. So... What we ended up being in one one leg of it was we ended up using the practices page to pitch the massage therapy clinic and to give discounts and deals there. What ended up happening there was the massage therapist ended up having a lot of full-pay clients because of that, but they, we also ended up having a lot of chiropractic patients come over, couple that with what I was doing on my regular Facebook page. Things were going really well. So, yeah. That was the that was the launch pad and, and something that still carries uh, carries us to this day. So was that your most effective technique, the massage thing? Was that the most effective technique that you used for getting new patients into the business? From a Facebook perspective, um, it was probably equally as important as what I was doing on my page. You know, the community involvement. And, you know, being out there invisible and someone who was interested in building the community because I really was interested in building the community. I, I'm one of those people that thinks that if you build your community, that it makes the pie bigger and then everybody grows. So I could not agree more. Right. And so that was one of the things. It, it was quite, quite equal. I would, I would have to say both drove a lot of folks through the door and they ended up being patients because of that. The trick for us was what we did with the massage therapy that really locked people into coming in twice because that was, that to me was probably the most effective thing that we figured out as we were trialing airing, you know, the whole trial and error of it all. That worked like crazy and I can walk you through that if you want to. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what we would typically do is we would put out an ad for a free massage. And it was a free chair massage. It was 15 minutes, so it wasn't a full-blown thing. It didn't tie up our therapist for, you know, an hour or 30 minutes. Now, where so were you putting this ad? Was this a Facebook ad or like? Yes. Now, okay. this came from our practices page. And so not my personal, but our practices page. We would put out, you know, a picture of someone getting massaged. And we'd say, hey, we're doing free 15-minute chair massages for the first seven people that, you know, go through this link. And so they click on the link. We, we do a little boosted post first. And so nothing fancy. We did it to the local community. We would target females between 25 and 35. And we would put that massage offer out there for a free chair massage. 
And I think with the chair massage, they got a free drink, uh, like water, you know, free snack. Just something that was a nice break for people. And they come in, they sit in the chair, and I'd meet them, you know, for like two seconds before they went back. Um, the massage therapist would do the paperwork. They'd go back and do the massage. And 15 minutes later, they would emerge with what we call massage hair. <laughs> and, you know, and they relax. And this is sort of where the magic happens. I think a lot of offices that run promotions like this, they let it go right there. And then they wonder why they don't have people coming back in. And what we did is we made sure that we had a full follow-up set up within the office. So when someone would come out, they would typically walk up to our reception, and they would say, okay, do I owe anything? Even though they knew they didn't know anything, they would, they would say, am I good to go? And the receptionist would, would basically hand them a red envelope and tell them not to open it until they got home. And I don't think in my entire time doing that, uh, in the beginning, at least the first year, um, when it was really, we were really figuring our way out through it, I don't think my entire time anybody ever made it all the way home without opening it. <laughs> we Guilty. Look, I opened mine in the car. <laughs> right. We, we'd look out the window and see them opening in the car. And basically, you know, what that said, that, that letter that was inside the red envelope, it said something to the effect of, we hope you enjoyed your 15-minute chair massage today. If you will book a 30 minutes or an hour long massage in the next like 48 hours, then I, maybe it was 24. It was like really soon. You have to book it like right away. If you will do that in the next 24 hours, then we will give it to you for half off. So normally an hour costs 65 or whatever it was at the time. You know, there are a lot more now, but you get it for like 30 something. And same thing for the, for the uh, half hour. And so what happened was this, this was about, of all the red envelopes that we gave out, it was about a 70% close rate on somebody coming back in the second time. And so 70% of the time when we gave this out, we would have someone call and claim the follow-up. And from that, if they came in twice, they were officially, I mean, they, that was their massage therapist. They weren't going anywhere else. We knew we had that lock. Plus, mm -hmm. That trust started to grow because this person was taking care of them. So if they, you know, referred them our way, it was good. Plus, they were stepping foot in our office all the time. So if they had questions that the therapist couldn't answer, we were always available, either the staff or me, to help them. And that just sort of turned into a patient relationship a lot of the time. So that's for, you know, 10 bucks at the time to put out as a Facebook ad. Um, that was an extremely successful program. Now, you know, I'd probably spend 20 to $25 uh, if I were just starting something like that to, to really get that out there to start. But that's something that absolutely killed it for us starting out. And to this day, it's something that's super effective as long as we do follow up correctly. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that yeah. with all of our listeners. That's, that's some great advice. So is there anything that you did after they came back that second time? Once they left, did they get a blue envelope or a yellow envelope or anything extra to bring them in the next <laughs> you time? remember this. <laughs> so this is one I don't talk about a whole lot. But, yeah, the second time that they came in, this is something we added on after. Um, and I forget to tell this part of the story anytime somebody asks, but this was super important for us, too. It's, I'm cheating. I'm so cheating. No, it's good. It's, it's, it's what's fun. And I think a lot of people, you know, will, will do this and get to use it. Um, but what we did was we, we had a massage club. And it gets a little complicated how we actually did the club, but, you know, just to talk about the marketing first, we knew if they came in a second time, they were ours. 
and they were they were not going anywhere else for a massage. So our whole thing was to lock in guaranteed income for the massage therapist and to get them coming into the office more. And at the very least, to be thinking about the office more. So what we did is we would hand them a blue envelope, and inside that blue envelope, we talked about our massage club and, you know, a deal that they joined now. And what the massage club was is basically every week they would put in $10. So we charged their card automatically every week, $10, and it built up to a massage. So, you know, you got to 35 you got to 65 you got a massage, and you were just paying for it in increments. Now, the reason it was so interesting is every week we'd do a drawing of one of the people in the club, and if you were in the club, then you got your massage for how much ever you paid in. So if you paid in $10 already for that week and you were drawn, you got your full massage, your hour-long massage, for 10 bucks. If, you know, you paid in the second week you won, you paid in 20 you got it for that. The cool thing was it wasn't gambling because you always got a massage one way or the other. You just may be paying a little less depending on how the drawing went. And people love this. And like I said, it guaranteed my massage therapist income. And it was very very easy for people to say, no, I don't want to do that, or yes, I want to do that. And right away, when we started this program, I think we had like 20 people out of the gate sign up. And so for my therapist, you know, pretty much every week, whether she did any work or not, there was at least 200 bucks coming through the door uh, for her. And that was a powerful way for me to make sure that my therapist was happy so that, you know, she could keep doing the 15-minute chair massages even when she got more busy. But also, it really got folks thinking about our office more so that when anything came up, they were thinking of us. Well, it just made it easy, too, for me. I'm a tightwad and I don't like spending money, but if it pulled money out every week, it made it so much easier to come in to get a massage. It was great. Yeah. It was genius. So it was fun. And, you know, I, I have to credit that to someone on our staff at the time had been a part of a jewelry club that works that way. And they were just like, you need to do this. And so we, we put it together with them. And I would love to take credit for that idea, but it was absolutely someone that was there, Mary Ellen, and, you know, from our office. And she came up with that. And I thought it was absolutely We incorporated it with our red letter. And it came out really, really well in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, that, those, those things were part of the reason that we grew so fast. I love it. So I'm going to leave you with one last final question. Okay. And it's, if you could give one piece of advice to a chiropractor who is just starting out, they just decided to, to start their business, what's that one piece of advice? Invest in the community. Um, there is almost no way you can go wrong if you are spending your time doing things that to grow the community, you know, what we talked about earlier. And, and what I mean by this is everything that we did, every promotion that we did, People wanted it to succeed for us. And that, that was the thing is, you know, how do you get people on your team even when it's obvious you're trying to do marketing to grow your business and, of course, you know, put food on your table when they're trying to put food on their table? And so one of the things is, is, you know, you want to get people in your corner. And for me, that was – I literally belonged to every civic organization in town. You know, it was hard for me at first because we didn't have a lot of money to go around, so I had to pay dues. But I was a member of the Lions Club, and that was my core group. That's where I spent the most of my time. But I was also a member of the Kiwanis. I was also a member of the Rotary, and we supported all of those. And so I got invited to all of the events that all of those, you know, groups put on because I was a member. So 
I was always in front of people, and I think that was a big thing. A lot of, I think, chiropractors, when they're first starting out, they're not super busy, and they don't know what to do with that time. Mm-hmm. And what we did with the time is we went to ribbon cuttings. We went to civic organization meetings, and I was always in front of my core audience. I was always, you know, talking with them. And whether they came in or not, we were working on something together. So a lot of times, and this is this is the big, you know, take home point with this. It's not just about can you get in front of you know the core audience, but can you get in front of people that can also refer people? And so we had so many folks that they had not been to the office, but they trusted me so much because they'd spent so much time with me that they were referring people in that they loved and they cared a lot about. And so that carried a lot of weight. So I would say marketing or not, you may not have a ton of money to go do Facebook ads. You may not have a ton of money to go do your traditional advertising, but if you can use the assets you do have, which is time early on, then you can get out, get in front of a lot of people, and people just begin to root for you. And when that happens, it's very, very, and it's still hard. Those first three years are hard, but it's a lot easier when you've got people that actively want you to succeed, and that's how you get them on your team. Love it. I love it. I love it. That's some great advice. All right. Well, that was a wonderful podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. I cannot begin to say thank you enough. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Cairo Business Builders Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to click the subscribe button and leave us a review. Tune in next time for more behind-the-scenes business and marketing stories from the world's top chiropractors. This podcast is sponsored by Content DFY. Chiropractic marketing for doctors by doctors. Find out more at contentdfy.com.